0: First of all, do me a favor. Tell the baseball community to shut the hell up. Uh, up, up, up.
1: Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Put Me In Coach, a podcast about baseball, and it's a special Playoffs edition of Put Me In Go. My name is Matt Coggins.
0: And my name is Carl Mizell, and I am so excited. I'm so excited for this episode because the playoffs are here. It's so great. It's the best time of the year. Uh, playoff baseball is right up there with playoff hockey for me in terms of just excitement. And uh, it, it just gets the, the juices flowing. So I am, I am pumped for this. And we've also got some really good talk about the talk around the playoffs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a little meta, a little meta playoff talk this <laughs> week. Um, and You're hearing this a day early. We're releasing this on Tuesday because we don't want it to feel out of date by the time we con- converse about it. And as we speak, the Phillies and Braves are playing. And by the time we finish tonight, uh, the uh diamondbacks and dodgers haven't started yet so there is still a little lag time in between what you're gonna hear and and what's happened but we're trying to be as current as possible right now
0: yep and i am currently wearing the shirt of one of my my b teams the philadelphia phillies i lived out there for a couple years and i adopted them and they are currently up three to nothing in the top of the fifth on the braves uh so
1: good good Uh, And we'll talk a little bit about how Braves fans have reacted to what's going on (laughs) a little bit later. We're going to give, this is just kind of a catch-all talking about the playoffs episode. So buckle up, tune in, let's get started.
0: Wow, Matt actually got the organ out for that. He played that.
1: (laughs) That was me personally, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, People don't know I do all of the sound effects live just like that. (laughs)
0: He does the Howard Dean rapid scream? The, the your eagle, your eagle squawk has gotten amazing.
1: There we go. And now let me get the uh, the uh, the symphony behind me ready. Ready, guys? All right. So, uh, what am I drinking this week? It's called Mother Pumpkin Ale from Ooh. Blue Point Brewing out of. Pe- Pekkataway, Picot- Pekkataway, New York Long Island town with a native name I believe, uh Pekkataway, Pic- anyway. It's good stuff. Um uh kind of speaks for itself. It's a pumpkin ale. And he's sipping. Ah, good. It's good. It's, it's pumpkin-y good. And it's an ale. <laughs> what more could you want?
0: <laughs> As advertised.
1: So a little bit of baseball news this weekend and of course the baseball news section is going to get smaller and smaller. As uh, the end of the season draws nigh. Uh, but Carl, you informed me right before we started recording that the baseball will be back for the 2028 Olympics. Yes.
0: It, it has been announced. It has not been. is It, it, it had disappeared for a while. Like it, 1996 was the last time it was in the Olympics for a while. Came back, I think, in 2020. It was in there in 2020 has not been picked up for 2024 in Paris, but 2028 will be in Los Angeles, and uh, baseball is back on the docket, as is softball, and five-on-five flag football as well.
1: Well, hot dog with that flag football. I I was about to say, I wonder where they're gonna play some baseball, but then I remembered a a baseball venue that will be lying dormant around that time, so. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Well, yeah. But also, there are. I assume you're referring to the uh, the possum den in Oakland. Yes. Yeah. yeah yes. The, the
1: other Coliseum than the, the other Coliseum.
0: Uh, I I don't think they're proximal enough to be uh, effective because it is Los Angeles and Oakland's like at the other end of the state. But uh, it'd be funny. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thing I'm telling on myself with my knowledge of California uh, <laughs> geography. Don't,
0: su- don't sweat it. I only know because I've got a map up here.
1: Uh, it's exciting though. It's different than the World Baseball Classic, and uh, I think. At least for the US tends to run with younger players, less yeah. experienced players. but hey anytime there's more baseball out there in the world, I'm happy about it.
0: Oh yeah, I one of my favorite baseball cards when I was a kid there was a I think it was a, a 1985 tops because the the Olympics were in 84 so they I don't know if they staggered the release for the year after or if they tried to release it in 84 but Mark McGuire was on the 84 Olympic team. Oh shit. Um, yeah, so I I had I had that card. Uh, I remember it very vividly. Um, and I was just like, this guy's going places. Uh, and it was <laughs> the first time that I was like, right about something. Because then I remember the Greg Jeffries 1988 Donruss rookie card. I was like, this guy hit 500 in the minors. Of course, I didn't understand sample sizes. He did it in like four games. <laughs> but I was like, Greg Jeffries hit 500 in the minors. He's going to be a god. <laughs> he, he wasn't.
1: Definitely telling about our difference in age. Because my Mark McGuire uh, baseball card was when he was in the home run chase. So Yeah. <laughs>
0: I know. I, I'm 45. I, I, I just uh, you know, I, clean living keeps me looking uh, young and healthy.
1: That's right. Um, uh, less than good news in the baseball world. Uh, Mets GM Billy Epler abruptly resigned this week amid an MLB investigation. And we don't exactly know officially what this investigation is about, but it's rumored that the Mets are being scrutinized for alleged abuses of the injured list also known as the Phantom IL, basically putting guys on the injured list so as to free up a roster spot even though they're not injured. Um, The timing is a little weird because the Mets just hired a new president of baseball operations. They just fired the manager. You would think that that another moving part in this equation wasn't on their bingo card. But, uh, (laughs) you know, it's uh, it also came. There was like a weird news story that came out earlier in the week that I assume Buck Showalter must have been the source for that uh, Epler and Showalter were in some kind of battle over how to use uh, Daniel Vogelbach, who is, as I wrote in the notes, a floundering DH. And that's putting it lightly. he was not very good. (laughs) No,
0: he was uh, quite bad. I mean, he's a fan favorite. You know, he, he looks like the kind of guy who gets stopped at the gate because they think he's supposed to be delivering the beer to the other gate and not a player. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, he, he, he was bad, and I'm sure there was some, some backroom chatter about that. But uh, recently also Trevor May, former Oakland ace pitcher, was interviewed and he talked about like the Phantom IL and and he in his words confirmed that the Phantom IL is a thing that teams do. Uh there was a piece on The Athletic where an unnamed front office source said the Phantom IL sounds good in theory, but like executing it, like there's too many moving parts. It's like faking the moon landing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Kind of thing. Like in this person's opinion it would be too difficult to do because somebody, the chain would be too long and somebody would spill the beans. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't put, I, I don't, I don't think it's that complicated, but you know, it's these guys, they they have one of how, like 750 jobs on the planet. Like there are only 750 major league roster spots, um, uh, or 26. So add 30 to that. So 780 spots. You might want to stick around and not rock the boat and just fake an injury, you know, just to open that up because you're you're playing playing along and helping the team uh but and
1: still making your major league pay too I mean, it's
0: <laughs> exactly you know your your major league pay even if it's the league minimum i think is like seven hundred twenty five thousand dollars right now um and plus you're plus you're staying in the game yeah. so i i wouldn't put it past them but that's just me
1: well i i don't know it's it seems like a thing that other teams are also doing but like you said it's sort of a A vast conspiracy that would involve a lot of work. Um, And it's curious that the Mets are the ones that got flagged for it. As I've pointed out many times, it seems that the league seems to be, for good reason, a little bit apprehensive about the Mets and their very, very rich, very spend-friendly owner. And uh, this just seems another thing that is catching their attention, probably for good reason. But I'm not saying that Epler isn't guilty of it. I'm just saying it's like other teams probably are, too. (laughs) Oh, oh yeah. And and it, it all comes back to that sort of like
0: mutually assured destruction around like sticky stuff and you're yeah. you're you're not going to call out another team lest you get people calling you out in retaliation.
1: Um speaking of calling people out, <laughs> nice. This came out last week and I didn't want to talk about it then cuz I knew something was going to fall more into place, but uh, there was a former yeah. MLB pitcher named Trevor Bauer. We've talked about him a little bit on the show. Um he publicly addressed one of the domestic violence cases against him for the first time after settling with his accuser recently. He, he had a short video that he came with, like a three-minute video, where he kind of laid out all of his side of the evidence, where he's like, finally, I get to put my story out there. Essentially, painting his accuser as someone who deliberately framed him in an attempt to target his wealth, saying, I'm going to go after this guy. I know he's rich. I know he just got paid. He plays for the Dodgers. Uh, I'm going to frame him for sexual assault. Um, And a lot of people in the baseball community, a lot more people in the right-wing media community, uh, have kind of accepted this as as fact and claim that Bauer was unfairly treated by the media and the court of public opinion. Um, But I don't know. It, It should be noted that even prior to this incident and since, there are at least three other women who have publicly accused Bauer of assault and one of them of sexual assault and has a uh, a restraining order out against him. So it's a complicated situation. I think a lot of people are always very, very quick to defend guys like this because it fits their narrative. Um, I don't think the MLB is going to be in any rush to bring him back.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I th- This whole thing, this whole settlement coming out, it kept me off of Reddit for a couple of days because that's all anybody wanted to talk about. And all anybody wanted to say was, see, look, he's got the evidence. No, one of the, agree- one of the core components of this settlement was that he retained the right to speak about it publicly, which isn't always a thing that happens in settlements. Um, but they basically both walked away from it. Mm-hmm. Which does not mean that he's innocent. It just means that both of them walked away. And of course all these people are going, Oh look, see, all we had to do was wait for the charges to just, you know, be dropped and just let him tell his completely biased side of the story he's clearly telling the truth um yeah but what about these other three women don't no 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 close <laughs> that curtain we don't nope nope we're not talking about that we're talking about this one woman who clearly can cons- again do you know how hard it would be to actually convincingly frame somebody for this crime like yeah you know it, it, it would be it would be extremely tough and then to get three other women who don't know you <laughs> to also credibly accuse it like across years across a beard
1: vast conspiracy
0: exactly it's look if you're sitting out there and you're going just go watch the video fuck you i'm not going to watch the video i'm i don't want to hear another goddamn word from trevor bauer i don't give a shit he's garbage let him go suck in japan instead of sucking over here i i don't care i don't care i this whole like see this is what happens when we listen to women or you just listen to women blindly shut up Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! I don't listen. I don't. I don't believe you. Sorry. Rant over. I shouldn't have done that. Matt was like,
1: Gee. "No, it's fine." I I completely agree, and oh, I good. think that it's not the last time that we'll hear from this Trevor Bauer story. I think you'll probably have a a subsect of fans that are clamoring for his return for the rest of his career, but um, I hope that MLB teams are smarter. Then again, there's the the Clevenger and the uh, Herman of it all. So it's you know. What makes Bauer special? I guess it's the multitude of accusers more than anything, but
0: who knows? Well, if you want to, if you want to watch him pitch, uh, get a ticket to Japan.
1: He's in the Japan minor leagues now, right? (laughs) Did he get called down? I don't know. Good, (laughs) fuck him. Well, hey, we're at we're an American baseball podcast, and we're going to talk about American baseball and the best time of the year for it. It's the postseason, baby. And Carl, I I brought this out last week as a visual medium. I'm gonna do it again now. Y- yes, but, let me see it. But I redid the postseason board, so now it's cleaner. It's more efficient. Ooh,
0: it is. It's got the official logos, uh, including like the official MLB postseason logos, the World Series font, ALCS. It's got uh, the
1: logos. It, he scrawled "fuck Trevor Bauer" on it for some <laughs> weird reason. It was important. It's important. I actually, the part I'm most proud of is this. You can barely see it put a little watermark of the American and National League logos on here (laughs) to make it look really it's really cool so I'm gonna post this uh you know maybe I can get in touch about getting involved on the Instagram but uh this is just sort of me physically representing the the playoffs as is like my want this time of year I need to see like what's possible who's gonna win what's next and so I've invested a lot of money in a whiteboard and buttons to make this dream a reality
0: yeah that's a real like it did you was it did it come with the reflective border or did you give it that? That's like all or it looks me. W-
1: Yeah, this oh. is uh this is a whiteboard that I put I printed all this off, and I put it on the whiteboard and then these are magnets. Wow. Bro. So I can move them around.
0: That is great so, stuff.
1: You know, long story short, we are now into the divisional series and uh, seeing a handful of teams play that like as we said as we spoke, the Braves and the Phillies are currently involved in the NLDS or half of the NLDS. And so we're just going to recap what's happened so far, because the last time we had an episode was the last day of the season. So um, the wild card was not super eventful, but (laughs) um, the Twins, I think, was the coolest story of it all. With a sweep of the Blue Jays, the Twins won their first playoff game since 2004 and their first series since 2002 um i don't think i think it's been since 96 that they went to the world series 94 uh it
0: was the, it was the early
1: night like it might have been 91
0: or 92 because, no, that was the, the Blue Jays. Yeah, it was, it was sometime in the late 80s, early 90s, yeah. but since the last time they went to the World Series.
1: And they're sort of, they're the big underdogs of this whole thing. They, they are representing the AL Central, the Comedy Central, as many people have pointed out, the division that <laughs> had one one team go over 500. And you know what? If that team manages to do this well, I think uh, the AL Central deserves a little more respect, in my opinion. <laughs>
0: Absolutely I, I I like that That's very Chris Berman Of whoever did that Yeah the AL Comedy Central uh, Sounds like something He would have said uh, Back when he was relevant um, <laughs> But yeah th- I mean this This kind of Jumps ahead to what we're going to talk about later in terms of the playoffs, but that's what I love about the playoffs, is that you can't just instantly assume that because the team that won the weakest division is going to be one of the weaker teams in the playoffs. Right. That's not how it happens. The season is a marathon. The playoffs are a sprint, and if you catch lightning in a bottle, you can have the 2006 St. Louis Cardinals, who I think won, they were the wild card with 86 wins, and went on to win the whole thing. So... That regular season performance does not is not a predictor of playoff performance. That said, I am rooting for the Twins very hard to beat the Astros. A to so they represent our you know Tigers division well, but B because I hate the Houston Astros.
1: Yeah. So. And the flip side of that, would you could talk about the Rays, the Rays, Tampa Bay Rays. They started as one of the best teams in the league. They're remembered for having that insane start. There they went like twenty seven and four or something like that um tie. they tied the record for for opening a season and uh everybody thought this is the team of destiny and pretty unceremoniously they got swept by the rangers in the wild card round um and i think more depressing on top of that is nobody came to see those games at all uh the rays drew the lowest attendance of any postseason baseball game For the game one of the wild card since the 1919 World Series, which was the year after the Black Sox scandal. uh, The attendance for the two-day series was less than 40,000 total. The Royals, who were the second worst team in the league, a member of the AL Comedy Central, uh, they drew more fans to their final game of the season at 20,662 than the Rays did for game one of the fucking wild card the postseason that's sad
0: it, it, it is sad but I mean we've talked about the Rays woes in terms of where their stadium is located uh you know it's a apparently difficult to get to it's just nonstop traffic there's like one bridge to get to and from the stadium that sort of thing and plus they were playing on a tuesday afternoon like i mean they had a bunch of factors stacked up against them but that said that's still fucked up <laughs> that's still really well, that's still really bad and if
1: the stadium is the issue why are they building a whole other one on the same spot <laughs> well they, and
0: that's the other thing that blows my mind and then uh, uh, I, I saw something recently that's like apparently like the numbers that they've been putting out for the amount of public money that will be needed for this is like woefully under uh yeah. they undersold that by a lot uh shocking so i i'm i'm completely with you like if the stadium is the issue and the location is the issue why are you putting it a better stadium in a still shitty spot exactly
1: exactly <laughs> doesn't make any sense to me the rangers look good too like it's not the same. oh yeah that's not to say that the rays didn't play well it's just that the rangers were really they were
0: there and 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 do you know who we possibly have to thank for this creed
1: oh yes the The band
0: creed
1: yeah they're pluck they're fucking playing creed as they warm up and everyone's like oh creed i was like have you ever worked out to creed do you know the power that jamming to some creed does for you it's no wonder why they're doing so well Yeah,
0: I I have a complete I have a different take, but mine is painted through a specific lens. And that was that that time when Creed was huge is when I was playing in bands that sounded nothing like Creed. (laughs) And I had to like buy like I bought a guitar magazine with their guitar player on the cover with Mark Tremonti. And I was like, he's one of the shittiest, worst guitar players. Why are you putting him on the cover of a goddamn magazine? I'd rather have literally anybody on there. But anyway, uh, I lived through Creed the first time. I don't want it back. I don't need it back. Please take it away. Please make anything. Like I would rather Nickelback
1: <laughs> than Creed. No. You yes. take that back.
0: No. You take that Nickelback. No. no, because and here's the difference. Nickelback is self-aware. Nickelback knows their reputation and they're totally like they lean into it. Scott Stapp is one of the most self-important just shitheads of the 20th century um and into the 21st century. So, no.
1: Listen We're man. I disagree. <laughs> Agree to disagree, if you ever want to come over to the Creed fan side of things, we will welcome you with arms wide open. God damn it. I, (laughs) finally in the wild card series, I just asked, why was Miami even there? What were they doing? I didn't want to be mean, but why were they there? It was like, everybody was like, well, Philly's going to win, man, like it it wasn't really a question and Philly <laughs> played great it's not to say that they like phoned it in and still ran away with it but like yeah it was uh it was sort of like Miami and would it have been different if we saw who else was even in contention the cubs
0: but uh, uh, yeah i think just the cubs really the cubs I mean, and the I, reds I, the cubs, and the, cubs reds. and the reds yeah i would have seen i would have loved to have seen the reds uh, I would have accepted the Cubs. I mean, I consider them a B team of mine. Um, but ugh, not the Marlins. There's nothing re- remarkable about the Marlins this year.
1: All right. So moving on now to the real beginning of the playoffs. We're through the wild card, and now we're on to the NLDS. So we'll start with, uh, let's save Brave Phillies for the second start of it let's start with diamondbacks dodgers clayton kershaw oh. was terrible <laughs> <laughs> So bad. bob costas i if you have never seen bob costas call a baseball game i implore everyone to do so he's famous for that clip of saying i forget what what game it was but so-and-so is leaving the mound now looking up to the heavens hopefully looking to some departed relative praying for forgiveness <laughs> for this atrocious <laughs> performance and he said something about Kershaw. It's like Clayton Kershaw, and his uh, his his beautiful career, marred by this uh, dark final chapter, <laughs> or something yeah. like that.
0: There were some. There were some good. Whoever was at the the desk back in the at the DraftKings studio says, "Yeah, we're going to throw it back to Bob and Ron Darling now." And we're in the midst of uh, a broadcaster's dream game to call nine nothing, bottom of the second, <laughs> <laughs> and Bob is. Like,
1: Bob just goes, uh, "Yeah." <laughs> A wonderful symphony ending on a discordant note. That's how Bob Costas decided to dis- <laughs> to refer to as Clayton Kershaw's potential last start. I mean, I don't want to say that like the Dodgers are out of it, um, or that Kershaw's done. That would be kind of silly. But he is getting older. Maybe there's a lot to say. But Bob Costas really fucking nailed it. And uh, he is. Why don't they let him call more ball games, man? I'd rather hear him than John Smoltz.
0: Yeah, well, I think it's because in that same game he 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 like read uh like he did some he read some copy about something and, and he's like and if you understood any word in that sentence you're ahead of me. He's like the old <laughs> old man kind of thing. Uh I think that's why cuz he's he's reached that point now. I still see him as that youthful like imp yeah. that sort of proto Ken Rosenthal from like the the 80s and the 90s, but now he's just He's got to be almost in his... He's almost got to be 80. I got to look this up. But TLDR, that's why, I think.
1: Yeah. So anyway, he's he's calling the Dodgers-Diamondbacks game, which was really, really fun if you're a Diamondbacks fan because <laughs> Clayton Kershaw allowed six runs on 35 pitches, recorded just a single out all in the first inning. Uh, the Hall of Famer, or the future Hall of Famer, you know, he, he might be very, very solid in the regular season. He's got a career... Uh, 248 ERA. He's famously bad in the playoffs. Which I learned just now, uh, 449 career postseason, and uh, wasn't helped by this particular outing.
0: <laughs> no, he's he's historically bad in the playoffs. Bob Costas is 71, by the way. Wow. I, I Yeah, I overshot that a bit, but still, he's. I knew he had to be in the 70s. But yeah, it's it's something that has haunted uh the the Dodgers and Clayton Kershaw for a while. So much so, like the apparently the Do- the Dodgers posted a picture on social media of Clayton sitting on the mound with the hashtag. It was hashtag. ITFDB, which apparently is supposed to mean it's time for Dodgers baseball, but because it like looking at it after the fact <laughs> it's the fucking diamondbacks <laughs> And it was just Clayton Kershaw sitting on the mound looking dejected.
1: Boy. I mean, I think that a lot of people focused a lot on the Kershaw of it all and not the uh, Corbin Carroll and the Diamondbacks of it all because they were yeah. electric. I mean, they were they were really putting balls in play and scoring runs, regardless of who was pitching because Kershaw put up, uh, gave them six runs. The Diamondbacks won 11 to two. So they played a good game yeah. overall against the Dodgers. Uh, Carroll is unreal, man. He's unreal. And I think I said something in Discord. It was like, when you said this guy was the rookie to watch out for, you were not kidding because he is just electric.
0: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, he was now. I, I I predicted that Jordan Walker was going to win the National League Rookie of the Year, but at that time I was like, well, he might get sent back down. I said, but also Corbin Carroll. So I, I feel really good about that. But no, he he is electric. He's going to be one of my favorite players to root for that doesn't play for the Tigers. And if he keeps doing what he's doing, the uh, contract extension that the Diamondbacks uh, signed him to uh, this season is going to look insanely good uh they bought him out of his arbitration years uh, at a it's what's going to be like a relative steal here. Yeah, he signed an 8-year, 111 million dollar uh contract that also has a club option for the 2031 season. Um and it's it's just it's going to be so good. Man, go away with this pop-up stuff. Yeah, they bought him out of his pre-arb years. He's going to be making it, it 14 million dollars a year. Good for him. Yeah, good for him, for a but rookie. That, I, for a rookie, but if he keeps getting better, can you imagine if he becomes like the next like 10 war a year guy, you know, and like it, it, a, a win of war is supposed to be worth like 3 million dollars. Mm-hmm. So if he's a, you know, all he has to do <laughs> is be a 5 war player. That's all. And <laughs> that that's all. Well, 5 war is like well, like two 260, 270 batting average, twenty five to thirty home runs, eighty to hundred Art like that's usually like somewhere in there. Yeah. You know? Uh and his I, he might get dinged down the positional adjustment, but anyway, he's TLDR, doing all this he's in amazing. his rookie season. It's something he's to watch doing it. all of this in his rookie season, and he's five he's listed at 5'10", 165. And that home run that he the the home run that he hit, like four hundred and twenty something feet, had some fucking giddy up. Yeah. Like he there's a lot of muscle on that little package, boy, I'm telling you. Little
1: package? All right, let's talk Braves. Oh, so uh, Diamondbacks, to, to close out Diamondbacks, doctors. like I said, we're recording this before Game 2, but you'll have seen it before this episode comes out. Who knows what happened? We don't yet. <laughs> wow, can you believe what happened? I can't believe that. I don't know. I was going to say, well, let's edit something in. I'm not going to go all that work. Um, <laughs> let's talk Braves Phillies. Um, in Game 1, Philly absolutely shut down Atlanta and the Braves fans responded by throwing trash um it marks the first time that Atlanta was shut out at home all season and only the third time they've been shut out all season uh also the first time that Philly was able to beat Spencer Strider they were 0 and 8 prior to that game really <laughs> yeah
0: i had i had no idea I, I i did not know that but i know that we're in the top of the sixth, and the Phillies are up 4 to nothing now so good nice um but yeah i just it, the Braves are i they're, they're like a they right now they're built sort of like a like a high end sports car like they got real good top top speed but you know just they'll pebble on a road you know if they're going too fast just the littlest thing can knock them off you know they don't have like a anything yeah. to keep them stable you don't have that wide base you know whereas like the Phillies they seem like an old muscle car that's been you know rebuilt or so I don't know I'm I'm the, the analogy got away from me here but my <laughs> point is the 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 Braves seem g- built for the regular season and not for the postseason but then again I mean their their starting rotation is depleted they don't have Kyle Wright uh, I don't think they have Max Fried back I don't think they have Charlie Morton. I, if I'm not I mean, mistaken, like, just... Freed
1: did start the game today.
0: Oh, okay, okay, thank you. Uh, well, then it's not going very well for him. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just it, th- th- that that's why. Again, jumping ahead to what we're going to be talking about later, the regular season is only meant to find out who's going to the playoffs. Yeah. From there, all bets are off.
1: And it's not to say that the Phillies were bad in the regular season either. They were better than last year, and they still, you know, they squeaked into the postseason last year. This year, they were pretty commanding. They've pretty much led the wild card standings for most of the season. Uh, yeah. And they we're really only behind the Braves because they're the Braves. What was the one thing I said that, about pitching during our the Braves are cheating episode? It's that it's the kind of pitching staff that a coach comes up with and does not rely on. It's the kind of staff that you say, well, we're going to get runs. So who cares how many runs you give up? Strider's yeah. really the only lights out guy on that team, but he's not perfect he's not he was never in the conversation for Cy Young or anything you know Um, And and
0: that and, and he is the only pitcher in all of Major League Baseball this year to be a 20 game winner and yet no one has said word I have not heard a single like insider or industry knower even mention him for for Cy Young votes. right
1: yeah so you know I so the the big story I think that came out of that was like Braves fans finally got to show the world how fucking shitty they are they had a moment where the bases were loaded it was late in the game philly was up uh two to nothing very close game uh and then braves catcher sean murphy was called for catcher's interference which allowed a run to score they challenged it because the interference didn't pass the eye test even though everybody behind the plate reacted like it happened uh real Muto was up to bat and i remember that because he's a catcher and then obviously Murphy, it happened to, and then the umpire, they all go, oh, that happened. And Murphy literally did the whole, oh, man, kind of like physically reacted to doing this thing. And then they challenge it, and on the replay cameras, you can't exactly see the glove hitting the bat, but you can hear it, and you can see the way the wind kind of flows around the glove. So Mm -hmm. they don't win the challenge. It was deemed an accurate call by the umpire. And so after that call is is ruled standing Braves fans responded by throwing trash onto the field and they delayed the game for a good five or ten minutes and i was actually listening to the um the phillies radio broadcast at the time and they all the guys on the radio were like hey i just want everybody to know we are in atlanta right now so all the ways (laughs) they try to paint philly fans as trashy and and disrespectful look who we're playing right now and look who's doing the trashiest thing that we've seen all year and I gotta give them credit that's that's 100 accurate Philly fans obviously are very uh passionate about their sports and I won't talk about what happens when the Eagles win the Super Bowl but (laughs) or lose the Super Bowl
0: (laughs) yeah no they 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 treat winning just like they treat losing uh I I, like I said I lived in Philadelphia for eh, like 18 19 months I always just round up to two years uh and that city I, I lived in, I was born and raised in Flint and then I lived in Philly for a couple of years. So two nationally maligned, unfairly maligned cities. Uh, Philadelphia is going through some hard stuff right now, but I, I feel like they always have, and that's why they cling to sports. but they're this East Coast team, a big major city and but they still don't get the love that even like New York, Boston, <laughs> DC, baltimore like they like the for some reason people just forget philadelphia uh so i think that kind of like informs their collective attitude uh so but also they will not hesitate to tell you exactly what they think and that's what happened there with the broadcaster i think it's wip is the name of their flagship yeah or the call letters for their flagship out there uh so I agree. Good for them.
1: Like I said, we are uh, bottom of the sixth right now. Phillies are up four nothing against Atlanta. By the time you're hearing this episode, the game is over. So uh, we're we're you know rooting for a Phillies win. Uh, We'll see what happens. You know, fingers crossed. We'll move on to the ALDS now and talk about the Astros and Twins, which I think has been the most interesting series. Agreed. Um, Because the Astros were just lights out in Game One, which kind of plays into what we're going to talk about later. So in Game 1, Justin Verlander got the, got the start, and he was, of course, a freak of nature. He's 40 fucking years old. He secured yet, a, yet another postseason win for the Astros. Six strikeouts, three walks, four hits, zero runs, six scoreless career postseason start tied with Madison Baumgartner and Tom Glavine, on the all-time list and 17th overall. He already had the most career postseason strikeouts last year, so that record has now improved (laughs) to 236. And it looks like the no hitter has been broken up. Did you know it was a no hitter over there in Phil, uh, in Atlanta? <laughs> I had no idea. Broken up in the bottom of the sixth, and uh, the Braves have scored. So, so it's four yeah. to one now. Um, Great. So that's that's the story of Game One. The Astros won pretty handily. Jordan Alvarez at two home runs, but the Twins weren't completely quiet because once Verlander was gone, they kind of answered back. Uh, they had a four-run seventh inning. They they were looking like a strong contender. Uh, just wasn't quite enough. Uh, to to beat you know two Jordan Alvarez home runs. Uh, but then there's game two, and I'm gonna call game two the Correa revenge tour. So if you don't know who Car- <laughs> Carlos Correa is, you know, go back and listen to our old episodes. He was the prized possession in the uh, off season that no one wanted. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he
1: was a Giants first. Giants. And then yep. the Mets, yep. and then back to the Twins.
0: <laughs> yeah. Because
1: of some for some reason, he didn't pass medical tests. We don't know why. Um, but either way, the Twins have him. They'll have him for a while. And th- good, thank goodness he's there. He used to be an Astro, and he unleashed on his old team. He had three RBIs in Game 2. He surpassed Jeter and Ortiz in the postseason record book. And he was kind of taken aback by that, which is awesome, too. Cause he's a young guy, and to see him like do that at this point in his career... Pretty solid, um, yeah. but the real star, of course, was Pablo Lopez, who shut out the reigning champs with just six hits, one walk, seven strikeouts. Twins took it six to two. It is so far the only series in the postseason with a split. There's only I had no, I, there's only been a handful of games uh, so far, but <laughs> I
0: know I was like, wait a second, that doesn't seem. But then yeah, there hasn't really been that many it's, games. Has it's they? all
1: sweeps or uh, only one game has been played. So yeah. <laughs> Um. So that's Astros Twins. Like I said, I'm really excited for this one. I uh, Twins got that sort of vibe about them, you know?
0: I am, I am excited for this one. This has become, for me, the most exciting series because what I originally thought was the most exciting series, the Rangers Orioles series, has become a bit of a laugher. Yeah. The- <laughs> The the Rangers play in a stadium right next to where the Cowboys played, and they played on the same day. And the Rangers outscored the Cowboys.
1: Wow, <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. That was so. That was Game Two. They won eleven to five. It was a little tighter yeah. in Game One. Uh, it was three to two. But yeah, the Rangers are currently winning. Uh, the they have two games on the uh, Baltimore Zero, and the whole AL East really hasn't showed up this postseason, despite being the best division in baseball. Um, the
0: best regular season division. There it is.
1: (laughs) A couple stories out of that series, I think you got to focus on Evan Carter, who's a rookie for the Rangers. He started last year or started this season in Double A, I think. He's 21 years old. He's reached base 12 times in four playoff games. Responsible for the go-ahead run in Game One. Uh, just an electric postseason from a guy who is literally fresh out of the minor leagues. He was called up as a September replacement, um, and uh, combined with Game Two, he holds the record for youngest postseason player with multiple extra base hits. I think, or maybe I got maybe it was the most extra base hits for a person of his age. I, I forget what the stat was, but impressive nonetheless. Good for Evan carter
0: absolutely in the second consecutive uh playoffs where we've had a, a young uh rookie playing for a texas team we had jeremy pena i believe was it was was jeremy pena's breakout last yeah, year because he replaced like? correa yeah. yeah yeah that's right he replaced correa and then went on and i think he won world series mvp won a couple of awards and and whatnot so i i this is this is the kind of thing you like to see you like to see the excitement of the young uh young players uh in the playoffs conversely i love This note that you have about Aroldis Chapman because you're calling out something that I think is just hilarious.
1: Aroldis Chapman provided his patented postseason excitement. Walking two with atrocious pitches in the eight, sweating profusely, and then turning a double play and striking out Ryan Mountcastle with a 101 mile an hour perfectly located fastball. The Chapman experience, as always. It wouldn't be a postseason if you didn't see this guy almost blow a game and then magically not. He is a miraculous pitcher in that regard.
0: He is so, uh, again, he is just electric. And sometimes he he kind of like, his baseline is effectively wild, yeah. which is a phrase that scares the hell out of anybody who's ever had to stand in against anybody like him. Um, but there are times where he can hit the... A, a fly's ass with a pitch Like he can put it wherever he As as noted right there with that 101 mile an hour uh, Dot but then he always Is wearing layers like It's layer, so many layers yeah. And just it's like he's trying To like drop weight for a Wrestling meet by wearing 18 layers and then pitching yeah. <laughs> Scott. It doesn't make any sense. Got
1: the undershirt with the the long sleeve shirt over that with the jersey. It's it's a it's a sight to be seen. Um the other big story out of game two was that Corey Seeger made history with five walks in a single postseason game, which people people also noted that he probably could have had six, but he swung at a pitch above his head, so <laughs> So Corey Seeger in the record books, the history books, as it were. Um, so that's our recap of everything that's happened so far. Um, you know, by next week we will be able to recap everything else that's happened in the DS and I guess theoretically we might even have some CS games to talk about, but um but well, yeah, the, yeah, the Championship Series starts uh this weekend. Hot dogs. So we'll we'll uh, catch up on that, but for now we wanted to have some conversations that that have been floating around the baseball world right now. And I wanted to start with uh this conversation about what's fair and not about higher seeds. Um, so Houston was the only higher seed in the divisional round to win a game one, uh, although the twins did definitely kept it interesting. These teams that, that are the higher seeds, so it was Houston, Baltimore, LA, and Atlanta, they got a bye week while the rest of the teams played the wild card round. So they got to sit for five days, not play any games, while they waited for their opponent to arrive. And many people have painted this off week like it's a punishment. (laughs) You've won so many games, therefore we're punishing you by not letting you play. And Braves fans specifically, because of the way Philly performed in game one, and again, just game one, this conversation came out because of game one out of five, Uh, they're saying it's not fair for them to to not jump into the action right away to a point where Ken Rosenthal wrote an article on The Athletic saying it's it, if, the, if the Braves got eliminated, it would be an extreme injustice. And I'm sorry, but I mean, this is the question we're going to ask right now. Is it fair or does it matter if it's fair if a team that won 101 games gets knocked out in the first round that they play in? Or do we just say fuck them because it's the playoffs and that's like you arrived there and now play the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna get a little deep here. Please. Uh, but I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna go it's gonna sound like I'm going off script. Uh there are a lot of things at play here. I think that some some biases are in play, specifically the anchoring effect and the gambler's gambit. The gambler's gambit is the notion that things will average out over time. Like, oh, I'm on a cold streak, but I'll I'll get it back. I'm due. Mm. The the anchoring bias is is sort of what you see with umpires where the, you know, you're, you're, you're not looking at things in an isolated moment and you're anchoring that decision on a, something that happened previously. So like if, uh, everybody knows that the strike zone gets bigger on three and O and it shrinks on O and two, cause you know, the umpires don't want to inf- influence the game too much, but that means you're looking at what happened prior to this pitch and not looking at the pitch in a vacuum. All of that is to say the regular season doesn't mean shit in the playoffs. It doesn't. What happened in the regular season, the Braves winning 101 games, goes out the window. Every game is the game. You have to look at each game in an isolated moment. This isn't about fair. This is about who performed on the field. That's it. Yeah. And the the regular season is there just to see who can pay the fee to get into the playoffs. And the fee is having a certain amount of wins and that fee changes from year to year. And if you can pay the fee, you can go to the dance. And once you're in the dance, all bets are off. But this whole rest week thing is really really dumb and here's why. If the if the Rangers By the time you hear this, you will know what happened. But the Rangers and the the Orioles play game three tomorrow. If the Rangers win tomorrow, October 10th, that series is over. Do you know when the ALCS starts? Saturday? Sunday. Sunday. (laughs) Five days later. So is that fair? Is that fair to the Rangers because they were too good and they swept the Orioles? Is that fair? It's, It's just the way it is. And players will tell you, hey, man. I get beat to shit for 162 games. I would love five days off where I didn't have to do anything. Yeah, it's 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 done. It's just people trying to find shortcuts and ways to find a reason to explain why the teams that did so good in the regular season do so bad in the in the postseason or are doing bad in the postseason.
1: The part that there. annoys me is it 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 feels like a uh, it feels like a spoiled kid. Oh, exactly. My team was so good; they deserve, they are entitled to the World Series. And it's like, no, just because the Braves, you know, broke some records offensively because they they you know legal or otherwise, you know, manufacture or otherwise, we'll put that aside. Because of how they performed in the regular season, there's no trophy for that. And there never has been, ever. Okay. And it's like, to act like this is a new thing that we've added a, a, a third wildcard team is insane. I've had Braves fans being like, bye weeks are never a thing before 2021. And it's like, yes, they were. There's just one more wildcard team. There were wildcard teams before. It was always, you'd play the one single wildcard game, yep. and then you jump into the DS. There were four days off then after the season was over instead of five. Yep. Oh no. <laughs> yep. No, and, and this and this
0: is what this this all comes back around to what you and I talked about on the Discord, which is what are you willing to give up? From nineteen oh one, I've got this here. From nineteen oh one to nineteen sixty eight, each league sent the team with the best record in that league to the World Series. That was it. Two playoff teams. You either won or you didn't. In nineteen sixty nine, and, and that's even when they expanded, uh, in 61 and 62, to 10 teams in each league. So imagine you're rooting for one of the other nine teams that didn't make it, and one team won 102 games, and your team won 101 games, but, you know, the 102-win team is going to go play the winner of the National League who only won 94 games. Right. Well, you're the better team. Why don't you get to go? That's what they call them, the play-offs, because if you don't play, why don't you just give a trophy to the team with the best record at the end of the regular season and just fuck off in October? Yeah. It's so, so dumb. So in 1968... Uh, Or 1969, we go to the divisional format. So now we have the AL East and West, NL East and West, but still one playoff series, the championship series, and then the World Series. 30 years ago, they had the wild card. Now there's three divisions and then a wild card, which is the team with the best record who didn't win the division. We do that until 2012, uh, and then you get uh, a second wild card with the one-game play-in sort of thing. Uh, 2020 was COVID with the 16-team format. Uh, last year we saw the 12-team format rollout that we have now, um, and, th- and now there's a, a 30. There's the possibility of 32 Major League Baseball teams uh, on the horizon. Okay, great. We got 32 teams. So let's let 16 teams go to the playoffs. I think that's too many, personally. But a few. <laughs> then what are we going to what are we going to do when uh, the 16-seed Kansas City Royals beat the one-seed? Uh, you know, let's just pretend the Seattle Mariners are are really great at that point like what what then they were this they were the worst team to make the playoffs but they beat the best team in the play what do you right. what can you say about that now i don't know you
1: know it, just brackets in general like i never hear like uh, you know march madness teams complain about this you never hear like ex- college football or or um uh, regular football in the nfl complain about this it's it seems to just be with baseball and, and really like you said it's an excuse the Braves were so fucking good in the regular season and now they have one game that really really matters that they didn't show up for and now their fans are pissed.
0: Yep. So that that leads me to my ultimate question. What are you willing to give up? What what are you willing to give up from the format we have now to make it palatable to you? Do you want to go back to the olden days? I grew up in the divisional era. So I I knew how bad it sucked like in 1989. Uh, or excuse me, 1988, I think it was, when the Detroit Tigers finished the season one game behind the Boston Red Sox in the American League East. Sorry, you're one game worse than the team that that won the division. So guess what I got to do for the rest of the season? Nothing, not watch the playoffs. Even if this is manufactured excitement, it still beats the alternative, which is, you know, the olden days. Now, there are some good ideas. Now, I, I hate to say this. John Smoltz actually had what I think is a good idea.
1: (laughs) <laughs>
0: and that and that is for the for the wild card round. Make it three games, just three games in a row, like a regular like a regular season series. Just play three games with no rest day.
1: It, wait, is that not how they already do it?
0: No, they they have two games and then a rest day. I guess because this One. year
1: we only had two games to be played, so I I just I
0: didn't notice. Uh, yeah, it, it it that's that's the way it is, and I I think that if you want to do that, just make just say, hey, look, your your wild card teams. You guys were the worst, best teams. Uh, so the team with the lower record in this series, sorry, you just have to play three games on the road. Yeah. Because they, they do get uh, one, or they took a day off for TV or something. I, I can't remember how it all works, but let them just play three games. I like that. Uh, that's fine. Some people have talked about reseeding, um, which they don't currently do now, but for those of you who aren't familiar with the term, it's basically... Um, you, once the next round starts, you just reshuffle everybody according to the best record so that the team with the best remaining record plays the remain, or excuse me, the remaining team with the best record plays the remaining team with the worst record, irrespective of their original seeds. I don't like that. I think that you should play it the way it is and just go with it. Um, but again, that's just people trying to give the better team, quote unquote, uh, the, the advantage i'm of the opinion that if you beat the one seed you become the one seed i think that's more fun yeah
1: (laughs) i guess i just don't see how that would have affected things looking at the board right now that would have meant the Phillies and the diamondbacks would have swapped places and the diamondbacks beat up on the dodgers so yeah that's it It, it's it. it you you just have
0: to decide what it is that you want to give up and you also have to stop using these mental shortcuts well, they were the best team in the regular season, so they're going to be the best team in the postseason. Wait, you mean they're getting their ass beat by the team that wasn't the best? That goes against my programming or whatever. That's you. If you want fewer teams in the playoffs, you have to run the risk that your team is not going to make the playoffs in a year where they otherwise. Would have if you want expanded playoffs. Are you willing to give up regular season games and go back to a hundred and fifty-four game schedule like we had until nineteen sixty-one? Famously, because that was the year that Roger Maris had extra games to beat Babe Ruth's single season home run record. It it, it people are not going to be happy. You're definitely not going to be happy if you get a a November World Series between Cleveland and Chicago because you had all these extra teams <laughs> and this extra time off. Um, and all the, these poor guys from, that grew up in the Dominican are out there <laughs> shivering because this is not. Uh, what they are accustomed to, uh, I just don't know what you. I, I don't know
1: what you people want. I, I, don't, I don't know anymore. They want to be given what they are entitled to as Braves fans, which is all the winning in the world. And now that it's not happening, their their brains are short circuiting. It's I don't know. The Braves fans are the worst fans in baseball. I think it's 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 pretty clear. Uh, yeah, and I think that. I think that they need to go away and be quiet and and you know I I just I don't see a lot of Astros fans. I don't see a whole lot of I see some Dodgers fans but not as many. I don't see a lot of Orioles fans complaining. The Orioles are getting this the the worst end of the stick in all of this. They're getting their asses kicked and I don't see Orioles fans complaining. So I just I, I it's clear that it's it's a it's a it's a sorry excuse for your team doing I don't want to say poorly. It's been one game, you know, or one in uh, seven out of nine game, you yeah. know, like that's, that's the story of this postseason is not over as yeah. we speak. Uh, Travis Darno just hit a two run home run Uh-oh. and the Braves are only down a run now going into the, uh, at the end at uh, the bottom of the seventh. So this, this series is not over. This game is not over, but ultimately it comes down to how the players perform, not how much the fans bitch about seeding or or what's fair it's not fair for me i don't give a shit it's it's perfectly fair all the other teams agreed to this format the players voted on this play the game
0: yeah now i i i said earlier about reseeding and like if you beat the one seed you become the one seed i was mostly kidding (laughs) you i i i have gone the picture scenario I have gone into Major League Baseball offices in New York City, and I have thrown Rob Manfred out the front door uh, with a with a banker's box full of his shit, oh, and I, I have installed you as the commissioner of Major League Baseball, the rightful commissioner of Major League Baseball. What do the playoffs look like under a Matt Coggins uh,
1: uh, They look exactly like this. I like the 12-team format. I think it's fun. It allows for some teams that used to not have a shot to get a shot. I think my only change would be uh, in the broadcasting schedule and the regular schedule, because I, I guess the thing I didn't really understand is why they had a day off yesterday. Why we started on Saturday with all four te- all four games. And then Sunday we only did Al and today we're only doing NL and we're gonna swap back and forth through the rest of the week. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me.
0: It doesn't make sense to me either, but again I mean there's so much in play there in terms of the logistics and uh, of you know trying to nego- get travel and broadcast and yada, yada yada. I agree, but I'm just gonna defer to the, the powers that be on that one. I'm just gonna let them suss all that out. And I would not try to uh, execute a coup and oust you (laughs) as the commissioner because i agree i think the current format as it stands is is fine i like it if you want to keep the 12 team system and and do reseeding i wouldn't be happy about it i'd bitch to my wife about it and she would listen because she loves me um but that's ultimately the end of it that's all that would happen so i'm fine with the way things are right now. I mean, I maybe would keep it like this and actually shorten the regular season um, because then you could push everything up a little bit. You could maybe knock out that last week of regular season games could be the the wild card series. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, other than that, that's really all I would do.
1: You know, we don't really have a, a horse in this race because the Tigers were out of it uh, before the end of September. So maybe if they were in the middle of this and they were getting bullied, we might have a, more of an opinion on it, but I don't know. I don't think so. The only time no. I've ever really been mad about this was when the Tigers lost game 163 to the Twins in 2009. And that was uh, that's a thing that doesn't exist anymore, so.
0: No. I will never forget, I was in rehearsals for Hair, and I was very lucky that my director at the time, shout out Steve Makofsky, uh understood the, the assignment and was like, uh, yeah, we're doing choreo tonight, but uh, you're only in one, so go over there and <laughs> TV's over there. Um, that was a terrible, terrible night. Um, But speaking of the Detroit Tigers, if if we are going to put that to bed, I have put together a game for you. Oh, boy. And it features a lot of Detroit Tigers. And I want you all to know that the look on his face when he said, oh, boy, definitely (laughs) indicated genuine excitement. Uh, I know his delivery didn't, uh, but Matt will take the note. I'm sure he'll be fine. Uh, I'm kidding. I was so, mostly
1: just watching the clock. It's like, uh, game? Okay, we yeah. can do this. No,
0: don't, don't worry. Don't worry. We've, we, we've got time. So I pitched this to you. I don't have a name for it, and I'm sure I'm not re- I'm not reinventing the game wheel here. So I'm going to pick a statistical category, and then I'm going to present Matt with two players, and he's just going to guess... Which player has the higher total for that statistical category? And, so, and I, I featured a lot of tigers for you. Um, oh, perfect. But I'm going to start out with some other ones as a warm up, uh, and then we'll get the tigers ones warmed like woven in so and we can go through these bang, bang, pretty rapid fires. So we're going to start with a couple of active players. Who do you think has at this point, more career home runs, Mike Trout or Giancarlo Stanton?
1: Ooh, I'm going to go big Mike Stanton.
0: You are correct. He currently sits at 402. He hit his 400th home run this year, whereas Mike Trout uh, and his oft injured body have only, uh, only managed to muster, 368 career home runs to this point he'll get there oh yeah next up a couple of guys well one guy i don't think is technically retired and an all-time great who used to play for the atlanta braves nelson cruz or chipper jones who do you think had more career home runs
1: Hmm, that's a tough one uh i I think i might say nelson cruz you are incorrect he is shy by four Whoa! Nelson Cruz hit
0: 464 home runs. Chipper Jones, one of the greatest switch hitters of all time, ended his career with 468 career home runs. Now, I wanted to, comp- I, I, I'm trying to compare eras here. Joe DiMaggio, Jolton Joe DiMaggio, or Joey Bats, Jose Bautista, who ended their career with more home runs? Hmm.
1: I'm gonna go Bautista.
0: Incorrect. Ah. Joe DiMaggio hit 360. One home runs uh joey joey bats at 344 at least these are close <laughs> yeah there well see that's that's the trick I, i'm not gonna go hank aaron or chipper jones well shit everybody knows that a uh, couple of the all-time great catchers johnny bench or
1: carlton fisk more home runs
0: yes they're all there's all home okay. runs. who has more home runs
1: i'm gonna go bench correct yeah.
0: johnny bench 389 career home runs to Pudge Fisk's 376 career home runs. One more uh, that does not include a Tiger. Jason Giambi or Cal Ripken Jr.?
1: Ooh, ooh, ah, shit. Well, Cal had a lot more games. Uh, Let's go Giambi.
0: Correct, 440 ah. home runs for Jason Giambi, 431, which was way more than I thought that Cal Ripken Jr. hit. Damn. All right, we're going to start working in some Tigers here. So... Former Philadelphia Phillies first baseman Ryan Howard or Mr. Tiger, Al Kaline? I'm going to go Howard. Incorrect. <laughs> That's... Al Kaline hit 399 career home runs to Ryan Howard's 382 career Damn. home runs. Tori Hunter or 2001 World Series hero and former Detroit Tiger, Luis Gonzalez?
1: Okay. Uh. Ooh. Let's go... Let's go Gonzalez. Correct.
0: 354 for Luis Gonzalez to Torrey Hunter's 353 career home runs. Two Tigers spanning the generations, Curtis Granderson or Hank Greenberg.
1: Ooh. Oh, man. Granderson played a lot more than I thought he did. I looked him up on BRAF the other day and was like, I did not realize how long his career was. Um, crap. I'm going to go Greenberg. Incorrect. Damn.
0: Curtis Granderson hit 344 career home runs to Hank Greenberg's 331 career home runs. It's close. I did that one, I did that one, that one. Okay, we'll do two more. Yvonne Rodriguez or Prince Fielder? Gonna go Pudge on that one. Incorrect. Really? Yvonne Rodriguez hit 311 career home runs to Prince Fielder's 319.
1: Really? P- Prince had such a short career, and Pudge had yeah. a long one with a lot of steroids involved. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, he did. Really? He did. That I was I was shocked too. Uh, last one, this is a special one. Prince fielder or Cecil fielder?
1: Oh, well, you already gave me the number for Prince, but I I think his dad had more.
0: This was a trick question. They had they the tied. same number. They That's tied. right. That's right. <laughs> 319 career home runs each for Cecil fielder and for his son Prince fielder and I remember you know when he was playing for the team and he'd bring his son to you know the ballpark and this yeah. little kid and he turned into this great baseball baseball player himself uh, but yeah that's uh, I wanted to end it on a, a fun uh, trick question y note. So there you go <laughs> I love uh, that. we'll break these out every now and again because um, I, I initially asked you over the weekend who had a higher career on base percentage Adam Dunn or Ichiro? And it was Adam Dunn, you know, home run slugging, home run slugger Adam Dunn um, versus the hit machine that was Ichiro, but Dunn had a higher OBP.
1: I think the one that stumped me the other day, let me make sure I got the right Martinez. (laughs) Uh, Yes, who who has more postseason experience, Pedro Martinez or Curtis Granderson? Well,
0: I'm going to say Granderson. Because he's a positional player and he played with the Tigers during their run and also with the Yankees when they made the playoffs a few years.
1: Yep. And then the Mets too. He oh was that's on right. Three different World Series bound teams. Yeah. And uh Pedro just had uh the Red Sox, so I, and I was surprised by that because the two of them were talking about like what it's like to play in the in the in the postseason. And I was like, this is an interesting couple of guys you gathered here. But then I remembered like Curtis Granderson had a story, so um that's gonna do it for us yeah. this week. Um, like I said, by next week we'll have a division series wrapped and we'll be starting the championship series. So we will probably do a similar format to this week where we're just going to recap everything that happened and until then enjoy the games root for your teams if you're in the postseason and uh you know let's let's go phillies let's hold this lead hopefully we're in the top of the eighth now so we'll see what happens carl any uh final thoughts
0: uh no the uh one divisional series or one championship series starts this Sunday and the other one starts on Monday one starts on the fifteenth one starts on the sixteenth so yeah we will have a final four uh by next week and uh, keep keep watching playoff baseball and uh, have have good thoughts and good opinions and don't think that if your team loses despite being really great in the regular <laughs> season that means that it's unfair yeah. shut
1: up you babies and follow us on Instagram we're gonna start posting our physical uh playoff yes. board so.
0: Yes, I've, I've gotten really good on the other podcast, and so now I'm going to take those lessons uh, that I've learned on social media for the other podcast and bring them over to this one. Um, so fingers crossed that uh, we're, we're being more social media savvy.
1: All right, well, that'll do it. We'll see you guys next week on Put Me In Coach. Put Me In Coach is an Arctic Sounds original podcast hosted by Matt Coggins and Carl Mizell. Theme music is by Quack Quack Seatback. Edited and produced by Matt Coggins. Check out the footnotes of this episode to see links to all the great highlights, articles, and sources we mentioned on the podcast today, as well as the full theme song and ways to get in touch with us. For more, find us on Twitter and Instagram at Put Me In Pod or at our website, putmeincoachpod.com.